Would you please open your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 13? We'll be in verses 10 to 21 today. Luke chapter 13, verses 10 to 21, in a message entitled, A Portrait of the Kingdom. Would you stand for the reading of God's Word? Now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman who had a disabling spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not fully straighten herself. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said to her, Woman, you are freed from your disability. And he laid his hands on her and immediately She was made straight, and she glorified God. But the ruler of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, said to the people, there are six days in which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be healed, and not on the Sabbath day. Then the Lord answered him, you hypocrites. Does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it away to water it? And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan bound for 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day? As he said these things, all his adversaries were put to shame, and all the people rejoiced at all the glorious things that were done by him. He said, therefore, what is the kingdom of God like? And to what shall I compare it? It is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed it in his garden, and it grew and became a tree, and the birds of the air made nests in its branches. And again, he said, to what shall I compare the kingdom of God? It is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour until it was all leavened. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we pray that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you would open our eyes that we may behold wondrous things from your word. Lord, I pray that you would be so present with us now through the preaching of your word. That sinners would be convicted that your sons and daughters would be comforted and encouraged and strengthened by grace, and that Christ would be glorified. And we pray towards that end, in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. If you've ever been to Colonial Williamsburg, you may have seen a painting that's one of the most famous paintings of the colonial era. It's a painting of George Washington that was commissioned in 1779, finished in 1780. The size is absolutely tremendous. It's almost nine feet tall and almost six feet wide. And it bears a remarkable resemblance to another one on the other side of the ocean one of King George III. 
that was commissioned 10 years earlier. And King George's portrait was in his lavish kingly robes, all of the beautiful fabric. There's a column in the background. It's very royal. But George Washington's portrait has a cannon that he has his hand on, and it has a British flag torn and tattered at his feet. It has Hessian soldiers in the background that have been captured. It's making a strong point that George Washington was the leader of a new nation, and he could stand toe-to-toe against King George. He was standing in the exact same pose as King George, and everybody who saw it knew what it meant. It was a portrait that was inspiring to the colonial era. It is written this way, deeply sensible how much the liberty, safety, and happiness of America was owed to His Excellency General Washington. The governing body of Pennsylvania commissioned a portrait of George Washington to display in its council chamber. In 1779, the Supreme Executive Council hired the well-known painter Charles Wilson Peale to create a public likeness that would honor the commander's leadership and service in the Philadelphia campaigns. A portrait that spoke of greatness and power. And yet in this passage, Jesus paints a portrait that's very different. It's the portrait of a kingdom, the kingdom of God. And he says it this way, What is the kingdom of God like? And to what shall I compare? It is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his garden, and it grew and became a tree, and the birds of the air made nests in his branches. And again he said, to what shall I compare the kingdom of God? It is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour until it was all leavened. You might say, why is he talking about the kingdom? I thought this passage was about him healing a woman who had been bent over for 18 years. And yet we see in the text, there is a link between the occasion in the synagogue and Jesus' teaching about the kingdom. In verse 18 it says, he said, therefore, What is the kingdom of God like? You see, what happened in the synagogue on a Saturday that was like every other Saturday, and everybody was there like they normally were, and a woman who had been there every other Saturday, who had been bent over for 18 years, something happened in her life that day that was radical. It was powerful, and yet it was very unexpected, and some didn't even notice it. 
See, Jesus uses that occasion to say, this is what the kingdom is like. This is what the kingdom is like. The kingdom of God is being revealed in Jesus' transforming power in the lives of unlikely people with an unstoppable expansion to the ends of the earth. See, he he talks about a, a grain of mustard seed, the tiniest of all seeds. You can barely even see it. Almost invisible. Yet a man took it planted in his garden, and it grew and became a tree, and the birds of the air made nests in its branches. It became a large bush, as it were, like it's like a tree, but it's, this is an herb. And in the ancient world, this was something that was planted, and it grew into maybe a 12-foot bush. And Jesus describes it being so big that birds come make their nests in it. And most scholars believe this is an allusion to what the prophets talk about in the Old Testament, that birds come and lay their nests in the tree, this massive tree. And it's, it's people from every tongue, tribe, and nation coming into the kingdom of God. And most scholars believe that's what Jesus is alluding to, this seemingly insignificant, invisible seed powerfully grows with unstoppable force until all the nations are gathered in and find their rest and shelter in Him. It's like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour until it was all leaven. It's it's almost invisible, and, and what's happening is invisible. But it happens, and it continues to happen, and it's unstoppable. See, God's kingdom is so unlike any kingdom of this world. I mean, can you imagine if there was a portrait hanging in the church, and it was of a big shrub? We would say, this is what the kingdom's like. It it, it looks so insignificant, and yet it includes people from every tongue, tribe, nation, and language, unlikely people, unnoticed people, invisible people. I want to give us four things that we see in this passage. Number one, God's kingdom is so unlike any kingdom in the world. It's a kingdom that is made visible in the lives of people you wouldn't expect. It's a kingdom that is made visible in the lives of people you wouldn't expect. It's it's made visible in the lives of invisible people. You see, verse 10 says, now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, and behold, there was a woman who had, who had had a disabling spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not fully straighten herself. This woman had been coming for years and years. She had had this disability, and it wasn't just that maybe she was bent over a little bit from old age, as many in our congregation may experience, kind of a drawing up. 
Now, this was a significant disability. It was, I'm sure, painful and uncomfortable, and she felt ostracized, and everybody noticed her because she walked in completely bent over. In fact, she may have been noticed at first, and everybody pointed at her or talked about her, but after years and years and years, nobody even saw her anymore. Do you know anybody like that, or do you feel like that? Does anybody feel like that? Do you feel invisible? Nobody even sees me. I've been coming for so long. I've been afflicted for so long, and I feel like nobody even sees me anymore. Notice in verse 12, it says, when Jesus saw her, he saw her. He's preaching, he's teaching about the kingdom of God, and he sees a woman bent over from a severe disability, and he saw her. If you're feeling invisible, if you're feeling like that, maybe like this woman, let me encourage you that Jesus sees you. He sees you. And maybe other people don't see. They should. We should all see. But Jesus sees you, and he saw this woman. And he called her over and he said to her, woman, you are freed from your disability. And I can just imagine maybe even a quivering of the voice, the, the pain that he felt in seeing her, but the power and the victory that he was imparting to her when he said, you are freed from your disability. See, Jesus had come to set the captives free. He said on one Sabbath in a synagogue in Nazareth, he said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he had anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He had sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus was setting this woman at liberty. You are freed from your affliction, your disability. And he laid his hands on her and she immediately was made straight and she glorified God. See, first of all, it's a kingdom that is made visible in the lives of people you wouldn't expect, you wouldn't have expected this woman. She was invisible. She was unlikely. And yet Jesus manifested his kingdom in setting her free that day. Number two, it's a kingdom in which 
God's power is displayed in ways that you wouldn't expect. See, he saw her, but he just he didn't just see her. He demonstrated his power in her life. In John chapter 9, Jesus was correcting his disciples. Chapter 9, verse 1, as he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. And people might have been tempted to say she's afflicted like this because of something that she's done wrong. She's sinned greatly, and therefore she's like this. She's suffering the consequences of her sin, but, but this happened that the power of God might be displayed in her life, and Jesus demonstrates that power. See, His kingdom is a kingdom in which God's power is displayed in ways you wouldn't expect. He laid His hands on her, and immediately she was made straight. She was absolutely helpless to straighten herself, and yet he spoke, and she was made well. She was freed, and he laid his hands on her, and she stood up straight, completely loosed. We find out that this was not just loosed from any disability, this was a disability that was caused by Satan. We see in verse 16, and ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan bound for 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day? And not every affliction is, has demonic power behind it. No, not everything is like, but some are, and we see Jesus setting the captives free, delivering people from that kind of oppression. God's power is displayed in ways that you wouldn't expect. I think we look for the fireworks, we look for the big things. God is working in small ways among unlikely people, setting people free that we wouldn't even think about. I think so many times when we try to plan our programs, our big events, we're thinking about the way the world operates rather than the way God operates because God's kingdom is different. I mean, just hearing these brothers testify of how God has worked in their lives in just recent days, and you might not even realize what's happening in the pew or in the college ministry or what's happening, but God is delivering and rescuing and saving sinners. And sometimes we don't even see it. We don't even know what's happening. And yet God sees and God is working and He is moving powerfully in our midst. 
God's power is displayed in setting captives free. You might be here today, you might be saying, I need to be set free. Nobody even knows the captivity that I know in my heart. Nobody knows the oppression. Nobody knows the bondage to my sin that I'm experiencing. No one knows, but Jesus does. And he came to set the captives free. And maybe today you need to experience the life transforming power of God through the gospel today. Do you expect that to happen? Or is it unexpected? Because most of the time, people are not expecting God to do anything. So it's a kingdom that is made visible in the lives of people you wouldn't expect. And it's a kingdom in which God's power is displayed in ways you wouldn't expect. But thirdly, it's a kingdom in which God is glorified for his sovereign mercy towards unexpected people in unexpected ways. Sovereign mercy. Notice, there was a woman there who had a disabling spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not fully straighten herself. When Jesus saw her, he called her and said to her, woman, you are freed from your disability. Jesus took the initiative. She didn't ask. She wasn't moving towards God. God's sovereign mercy was on display. Jesus took the initiative and set her free. See, God's kingdom is where his sovereign mercy is on display. And it's towards unexpected people and it's demonstrated in unexpected ways. I love the verse in the Psalms that says, our God is in the heavens. He does all that he pleases. He does all his holy will among the hosts of heaven and the inhabitants of the earth. And God is glorified by extending sovereign mercy to unexpected people in unexpected ways. Unlikely people. Paul says in 1 Corinthians verse, chapter 1, verse 26, For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of Him, you are in Christ Jesus. You see that? And because of Him, you're in Christ Jesus. Not because of you, not because of your noble birth, 
not because of your education, not because of your religious upbringing, not because of your moral integrity, because of Him you are in Christ Jesus and no other reason. Sovereign mercy. kingdom which God is glorified for His sovereign mercy towards unexpected people in unexpected ways. Verse 13 says, and He laid His hands on her and she immediately was made straight and she glorified God. See, Luke is intent on highlighting the glory of God all throughout the gospel of Luke. He's intent on highlighting the unlikely people. The women, the children, the tax collectors, the sinners, the marginalized. See, Jesus is building a kingdom full of unlikely people from among the nations. Which means that we should be humble before the Lord. Do you think of yourself as an unlikely person? Or do you think of yourself as a likely person? Verse 14, but the ruler of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, said to the people, there are six days in which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be healed and not on the Sabbath day. I mean, can you even imagine? A woman who's been bent over for 18 years, and, and Jesus speaks, lays his hands on her, straightens her up, and she is free. And the ruler of the synagogue is indignant. And verse 15 says, then the Lord answered him. Luke also is intent on revealing the Lordship of Christ, and he uses the word Lord, which is the same as the divine name in the Old Testament. Then the Lord answered him, Jesus is Lord, and he said, you hypocrites, does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it away to water it? Does not each of you give your animal water on the Sabbath? Do you, do you not give your animal what the animal needs, water on the Sabbath? And ought not this woman, this is a necessity, and is it not necessary that this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan bound for 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day? I mean, if it's necessary for you to give your animals drink on the Sabbath day, is it not more necessary for this woman to be loosed from her bond on the Sabbath day? And as he said these things, all his adversaries were put to shame, and all the people rejoiced at all the glorious things that were done by him. Fourthly and finally, it's a kingdom that is completely inconspicuous to the people that you would expect. The ruler of the synagogue, a likely person. And yet, the kingdom is inconspicuous to him. 
invisible to him. He can't see it. He can't recognize it. Jesus has just rebuked people in the previous chapter. You hypocrites, you know how to interpret the appearance of earth and sky, but why do you not know how to interpret the present time? The kingdom of God is at hand, and you can't see it. Let me ask you, is the kingdom inconspicuous to you? Or do you see God's kingdom activity, his power that is on display in the lives of unlikely people in setting the captives free? And does it, does it bring you to rejoice and to praise him and to glorify God for his power in the lives of people? Do you look around in the congregation and, and see people who have been transformed? Do you see yourself as someone who's been transformed? Do you recognize what God has done in your life? Do you recognize His mercy towards you in Jesus Christ? Or are you proud? See, the kingdom comes to lowly people, to the invisible people, to the humble people. That's why he says, what's the kingdom of God like? What shall I compare? It's like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his garden, and it grew and became a tree, and the birds of the air made nests in its branches. Does the picture of the mustard tree excite you? that God is gathering for himself a people from every tongue, tribe, nation, and language, a people who are invisible, unlikely. They're not the noble people. They're not, they're not all the people that are expected. But God is saving unlikely people for his glory, and he's shaming the wisdom of the world the ways of the world for His glory and for our good. Would you pray with me? Father, we praise You. We thank You for Your ways. Your ways are not our ways. Your ways are amazing and glorious and good. And Lord, I pray that, that you would work through the proclamation of the Word of God today in such a way that you would do the unexpected, that you would display your power and your glory in setting captives free. Would you do that even today or even tomorrow? or the next day. God, would you work in ways that will confound the wise, that would amaze the church growth strategists, ways that you would get the glory.
and nothing else. Lord, have your way among us. In Jesus' name, amen.